two seconds left of the half. Restore the Roar is a podcast hosted by Michael Ball and features Lions broadcaster and former quarterback Julio Caravana. Each week, this duo will tackle issues involving the BC Lions and the CFL. In each installment, they'll also highlight a player, coach, or builder at the amateur level in the province and take a trip down memory lane in the Lions Legends segment. Now, here's Ballsy. All right, and as always, we start Restore the Roar with our buddy Julio Caravetta, color commentator on the Lions Radio Network and, of course, former BC Lions quarterback. To me, Julio, this BC Lions team, the most under-the-radar team in the league, uh, but, but, but for sure the West. I mean, we got Winnipeg and Saskatchewan getting a lot of publicity. Calgary for Jake Mayer and the uh, Bo Levi-Mitchell situation there. Edmonton for COVID and then coming back from COVID and handling Calgary. And BC's kind of like the smelly kid over there eating his lunch. And nobody wants to hang, not wants to hang around with them, but they're they're under the radar. That's how I feel. Yeah, well, you know, it's true. Like you know, I follow the league like you follow the league, and you're right. There's not very many people talking about the Lions, and you know, this is going to be a this is going to be a big game for them, like for, on a number of level, levels, right? One, it's at home. They laid an egg at home the last last go around against the Edmonton Elks. Yep. They get an opportunity to play a team that I think is, you know, especially offensively trying to find their way. Um, and this is going to be Dominic Davis's week. He prepares a starter. He's going to play. Um, and defensively, I think that was a little bit of a blip. I think Mike Benavides and that defense are, are much better than what they showed. I think they got into a little bit of desperation mode, having to really blitz, and, and they gave up some big plays because they were trying to create and, you know, turn the ball over and, Fourth Vernon Adams into making mistakes. But I think that uh, overall, like the Lions, they have to be, you know, if anything, I'd say this has to be more consistent, right? Like they're, they're, they show a lot of great things, but then they kind of will, you know, go away for a quarter or a half. So overall, it's been pretty, pretty good, but they just need to show that they're consistent from start to finish. And, you know, they've got an opportunity here to, to, to play at home and, and, and beat a team I think they're capable of beating. And start to get you know start to get people talking about them. That's that's what's going to happen. Like you start playing good football, people are going to notice. Well, and that's the key right there. You're right. They laid an egg. They, the whole uh, we got a new owner. Great news. He's in the yeah. building. Everything's great. And then they just uh, soiled the sheets. Uh, I'll tell you this right now. For that reason, from the PR side, but they need to win. This is a must win for the BC Lions. And you'll laugh and say, well, it's early ballsy. No, it's not. It's getting early late for the Lions in a tough West. This is a win- winnable game. This is as close to a free space on the bingo card as you'll get in professional football. <laughs> I know anybody could beat anybody, but come on. If you can't beat Dominic Davis and Noodle Arm Nichols in BC, then... Oh my gosh! I don't like it for the Lions oh, going that, forward. No, I, I I hear you. You know what I mean, and I agree with you. They they need to, you like they should be able to win this football game. And again, if you want to be considered a, a a good football team, in fact, a great football team, you got to take care of your business. Mm-hmm. And first and foremost, you got to be able to take care of your business at home. And as you said, I think that's probably something that a lot of guys are talking about in the sense that they know. Given the circumstance, new ownership, first home game, they had an opportunity to create a buzz, and they didn't. And that's what looms over top of this team. We all know what's happening in this city around the corner, right? And that's the NHL and the Vancouver Canucks. You've got an opportunity to get people excited and interested, so you cannot lay another egg. What's this team's identity? Have we figured that out yet? Well, I, you know, I mean, that's a, that's again, that's a good question. I, I I don't know what it is. I I know that I know that Mike Riley can play football. I know that Mike is capable of of winning games on his own. Um, I'd like to see this team have a little bit more of an identity running the football. I think they're better up front, and I think they they need to be able to establish the line of scrimmage a little bit better by running. They tried more, you know, a couple of weeks ago in Ottawa. I think they need to continue to do that. And defensively, I think their identity is that they're going to be a team that's they're not going to overwhelm you with, you know, blitzes and all this kind of stuff. They're just going to try to play good, solid, steady defense. They've got a, a number of first-year players that have really done a nice job of stepping into the starting role. They need to just, again, be more consistent and from start to finish. 
their identity is that, and I think most people agree, like offensively they have all the weapons. Defensively there's still question marks. And special teams they need to do more. They, got, they need to be – there's got to be some, some game changers, a, a, a game breaker with a return. Because, you know, you, again, and I've said this to you many times, Ballsy, is that you cannot ask your offense to go out every time on their own 25, 30-yard line and say, okay, we got to put eight, ten plays together to get points. The defenses are too good. We're going to grade the positions in a second. I didn't tell you that. Get ready for uh, get ready <laughs> okay. for it, Professor. But I was at the Labor Day Classic, as I always am, between the Riders and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and just the pomp and pageantry and two very passionate fan bases, two really good football teams. Then I watched Hamilton and Toronto, and that was, uh, you know, the spirit of Labor Day. Calgary at 31,000, and I just, I love it. But then I'm like... This is a damn shame. The BC Lions can't get in on the party. They're left out of the they're left out of the the the, the best weekend of football in the regular season in the CFL, in my opinion. Yeah. We yeah. need a team in Halifax for that yeah. reason so we can have a coast to coast kind of deal. I go up uh, that would be fantastic. Yeah, what a day of football or what a weekend of football that would be for this country and, and you know, all signs point to that, that that's going to happen, that, that that's the direction they want to go. They want to put a team out there. And obviously COVID slowed all those plans down. But let's hope that the league and the commissioner can get all that stuff done and set. And Because I think you're right, that for, for the league and for the Lions who have never really had that natural, rival, not natural rivalry on uh, Labor Day, uh, it would be maybe a great tradition to start. Oh, absolutely. Riders and, and Bombers almost had a million people watch on TSN. I know. So, I mean – I mean, I know it's riders, but still, uh, the the league people people are watching this league. People are listening to the radio broadcast. People are into it, so that's good. And uh, yeah. let's let's hope the BC Lions don't lay an egg on home turf, and then people start coming around. Okay, let's grade the positions A, B, C, D, or F. Let's go with uh, the quarterback. What are you giving the quarterback position right now? I'm giving him a B. Okay. Yeah, I think that Mike has given given his health scenario. It actually would probably be a P, B plus because, you know, I mean, having, you know, going to all the practices and seeing, you know, how limited he is at times um, and what he does in games is just extraordinary. So, you know, I mean, I, I think that he's, he's, he's really delivered it and, and really, you know, had he not been ready to go and had, you know, his health really been a problem and who knows where this team would be, but, um, I'll give him a, a, a B plus. Hey, let's talk about Rourke for a minute. I think he's uh, the 11th best quarterback in the CFL. Actually, sorry. Yeah, he is the 11th because we've got Dane Evans and Jeremiah Masoli 9 and 10, and then I'd put him at 11, and then I'd put whoever's quarterbacking Ottawa at 12. I'm serious. Yeah, you know, I'm hey, serious. Hey, listen, listen I, and, and you know what? I, I think the only thing that Nathan needs to get is game experience mm -hmm. because phys physically he has it. Mentally, he has it. Um, and so all he's going to need is an opportunity. You know, the, the one of the great things, and I was just saying this the other day to somebody, is, you know, as I just said about going to the practices, the one thing that he has gained so much of is reps with the first team. Yep. I mean, he throws, he participates, all the no-huddle stuff, all the eight-on-eight, eight, all the stuff. He's getting like I think to myself, my first year. Are you kidding me? I mean, he, even in my day, the backup quarterback. If we had 15 plays on eight on eight and 15 plays in team, the starter got 12, the backup got three. Yep. He's getting every rep, every rep. So his 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 or you know I mean his exposure to this offense. His ability to go out and practice against a, a, a front-line defense all the time is only going to help his development. And and and, and I wouldn't and I and that's not a stretch to where you put him. Uh, he's got a. I'm telling you, he's got a super super bright future. Let's get to running backs. What do you give the running backs? Well, I think probably a C because I think that's what the one part of the, their game needs to improve is their running game. I think they. If you want to be a complete offense, you you got to be able to run the rock. Until they do that, I, I I'm I'm gonna hold back on my on my grade on that. Grade me the receivers who uh, you got. I mean, uh, Rhymes hasn't uh, you know injuries now, no. uh, but he hasn't really lived up to the billing. But Lucky Whitehead has. He's gonna join us here and Burnham's Burnham. Yeah, and and so I think those guys uh, those guys are a, I, I think again a solid B B plus. Lucky brings a dimension to this offense that they haven't had. 
Uh, Burnham is Burnham. Uh, Lamar Durant, I think he, he's been bothered by knee injury. So, you know, he's, he's I don't know if he's even going to play this week. I think Javon Katoy really yep. stepped up given his opportunity. I'd like to see more from Shaq Johnson. I'd like to see more. Well, Dominic Rimes now is going to be out for a while. I think he's got a he's got an ankle injury. So, um, but overall, that whole group, I'd say a B is probably fair. Julio, looking at the O line, vastly improved. I would give it a B minus. What do you think? Well, you know what though, Ballsy, I'm, I'm going to say that you know, for given where this what this group has, like they lost their starting two tackles. Riker Matthews hasn't played since week one, right? So I think given what they've had injury-wise and what they've been able to do up front, I think has been really, really good. Like Perkins, uh, Kent Perkins out at the right side has been very good. And I think David Neville is settling in at that left tackle spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had they had Tyrell Bruxton uh, last week play that left tackle, or two weeks ago. He tore a bicep, so he's going to be done. And Neville had to go in again. And, I, and, and Neville's worked with the first team all week, so... Um, but I think given their injuries and where they are, I think they've done a, a, a really good job. I think that they've been able to plug and play and, and still survive. The other question, Mark, you went on the lines. The other question, Mark, for this team besides O-line is the D-line because they were young. I mean, you had J.R. Tavai, who's been on Restore the Roar before, yeah. and then a bunch of young guys. How do you grade that D-line so far? Well, that, that's another group I, I would give a solid B to. I think given the, that the, the, how little experience they had with this league um, and this game, uh, you know, that was a huge question mark for me going into the, going into the year. But um, Boom Guachum and Tim Bonner, uh, those, those guys uh, have been, you know, really good. Um, and they're getting better and better every week. They've, they really have filled a huge hole and, and a need for this team. They got younger up front. And those guys are going to be good for the next little while. So when I watch Jordan Williams play linebacker, he reminds me, maybe not in his body type, but of a young Solomon Elamim. And he used to run around and make a bunch of plays. Now, he ran around a lot because he over-pursued sometimes, but he was always around the ball. Same with Big Hill. When I watch Adam Big Hill, Julio, I see like three Adam Big Hills. He's everywhere. That's what I see in Jordan Williams. How do you see him? How do you see the linebackers? Well, I think Jordan Williams is, again, he's another one of those guys that's completely filled the bill, right? Like, he, he, he's everything that everyone talked about at the beginning of the year. Um, he has stepped in and played the middle linebacker position and, and, and on defense and is a real leader on that side of the ball. Um, he's adjust, he's, his adjustment's been almost seamless. So, you're right. He, when you find a guy that can go from sideline to sideline the way that he can, and, and you got to think, too, Ballsy, is that these guys – that are getting that their their first exposure, they're only going to get better, right? Because physically he has all the tools, and so once he really starts to understand the nuances of the game, he's going to be that much better. Because that's the key, I think, is that with the Big Hills and the Elamimians, is they, they're so smart and they're so athletic that when you're when you're when you're running around the field, free of thinking of stuff and, and overwhelming your th- thought process, you're just able to go out and react. And that's exactly what Jordan Williams does. He's, he's done a phenomenal job of stepping in there. Bola Combo has been very good mm-hmm. um, at that Will linebacker. I think he's had a really, really good start to the year. Um, again, a, a, a real athletic kid who's really kind of coming into his own because he's been in the league a little while now. You can really see his comfort level. The, one, the other side, the Sam, they had Anthony Choffey there. Now they moved Marcus Sales there. So that's still a, a work in progress. And uh, we'll have to wait and see how that uh, how that turns out. So, what would you give the grade there to the linebackers? I give a again. I, I give a solid B Good. to those two guys. I, I mean, I I think that there's still room for improvement, but given the fact that those guys kind of, especially Jordan, was a first year player, I think that they've done very well. Defensive backs, I believe every single one of them have made a play to the tune of an interception. Uh, they've been pretty solid. Uh, thought a you know pretty decent group back there. Yeah. Again, I, I think a, I think a B is a good, good grade because I think there's still more there. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, you're talking about uh, Keontae Harden, who's yeah. a rookie. Yeah. You're talking about um, uh, uh, Edwards on the other side, Edwards Cooper on the other side, Jalen Edwards Cooper, who's a rookie. You know, these guys are are new to the league, and you know, they're making impact, right? They're they're in on plays. They're they're you know they're 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 people are going after them, and they're able to respond, and so. 
I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, you know, I'm a big uh, fan of those guys. I think that secondary overall with TJ and with Gary Peters on that other side have, have been very good. Um, they haven't given up very many big plays. And as you said, when they've gotten gotten their opportunities to pick a ball off and, and create turnovers, they have. And uh, obviously the worst unit, and I think it's uh, with a bullet, is the special teams. And I only say that because uh, the kicking situation has been interesting. You don't get much out of the return game. So that's something they're going to have to shore up going forward because it is well, one-third of the game. Yeah, no, well, I think that, um, uh, you know, getting um, Camacho in here has, has, has changed it. Um, I think that he's he's – you know, yep. solidified that kicking game as far as kicking field goals, which was really a, an adventure in the beginning part of the season. Yeah. Um, and I think their punting could be better. I know that uh, Stefan uh, Flintoff is, is t- handling the punting. They're going back and forth between him and Jake Ford. Um, but you got to remember, they're using two Americans as kickers. And if you're going to do that, they've got to be game changers. You know, I think about what Ty Long did for this team as not only a field goal kicker, but as a punter. He's like Richie Leone. Like, he can change the field position just like that. Mm-hmm. So that part of the game needs to be better. And I also agree with you with the return game, right? They, they need, they need a, a, some type of a spark there to get them going because that's one part of the game they're going to need to help themselves out. Okay, if I was ranking head coaches just off the top of my head, actually I did it uh, here in Regina on, on one of my shows. So I've got uh, Dave 1, Dickinson. I put Craig Dickinson to just, I mean, you could do a coin flip between him and Mike O'Shea. Then uh, then next, I probably would go Orlando Steinauer, and then I'd put, like, uh, Rick Campbell. But it could go four or five the other way, too. Like, that, yeah, I, 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 mean, I, I put him in the mix there. Now, why Rick Campbell should be considered probably better than, <laughs> than a couple of guys I mentioned there is he's won a great cup. Yeah. Oh, he's gotten his team to a few great cups. That's right. Yeah, so, you know I mean? Like, he's he's done a very nice job there. You know I mean? It's, it's, I think each one of those guys, I think that's hard to do. Um, I think each one of those guys brings a, a, an element to the game. And, you know, I'm like you say, I'm, 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 a, I'm a Dickinson guy. I, I love both those guys. I love their demeanors. I love the way they think the game. I'm I think Dave. Fan. I think I think Dave's the best coach in the league, and he's proving it with yeah. Jake Mayer. With Jake Mayer, yeah. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you that first game. If that dude doesn't have the resume that he does as a head coach to say nope, I'm stick. Because if you remember, Dave Dickinson got the shit beat out of him against the Toronto Argonauts in his first start when they lost 48-17 back in the day. But Wally kept him in the game. He learned. Mayer comes in, throws two INTs, two horrible picks, but lets him stay in the game to work his way out of it. And I know they don't have a great record, but it's not the young quarterback's fault. He's the best coach in the league, even though they're not, you know, they don't have a great record. Not not only that, not only that, but their ability to find quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Come on, like it's just the one after the other, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and and you know the other guy I really like uh, that that in uh, I know that it might be not very popular there, but I I really like Michael Shea. I like him too. I think he's I think he's he's not only was he a great player, but he's been able to translate that that mentality that he had into being a great coach. Every guy that I talked to loves playing for him. Um, he was a smart smart player, and when you play against a guy like him and Dave Dickinson. You better be ready for anything because they're always thinking, and a lot of times they're thinking outside the box. Winnipeg takes on you take on the characteristics of your uh, of your coach, hardworking, smart. That's what Dave yeah. is. That's what Craig is. Winnipeg's the same way, but they play with an edge. They're a bunch of pricks because Mike's Mike O'Shea was a prick when he played. <laughs> That's right, he was, and they were the worst kind of guys to play against because not only was he a prick, but he was he was really good, yeah. right? And he could back it up. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they that you know. Like I said, uh, I played during his era, um, and he was one of those guys that when you walked out on the field, boy, you were like, you, you better take note of where he was. Okay, last question for you. You play in Ottawa. You got Dominic Davis, who is okay. Uh, you got uh, Matt Nichols, who I think is a good person. I think the game. I think the game has passed him by. Like, and and shoulders take a long time to come back from. So that's probably the biggest issue there. If you're Ottawa, do you try to make a play for Jeremiah Masoli? And if you're yeah. Hamilton, do you trade Jeremiah Masoli because you're going to lose one of those guys in the off season? Yeah, you know, I mean, I obviously I, I would say yes to the question about Ottawa being interested. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, the guy's young, he's mobile, he's everything that you want from a quarterback. 
Um, and if you're Hamilton, I, I, I get the fact that you don't want to get rid of them, especially within the division. But it's going to happen at the end of the year anyways. They're, they're, both those guys are not going to want to stay there unless they're the guy. But, so, but you know, buddy, uh, anything can happen. A- an injury can derail a great season. All that yeah. needs to happen is Zach Claros go down, Winnipeg's done. Yeah, um, Ballsy. You could say that about everybody. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Hamilton has the Grey Cup in their home park. Like, does it really, like, I know you're not going to get much or lose them for nothing, but is it better to lose them for nothing but have them as a a really sweet insurance policy in case something happens when you're hosting the Grey Cup? Well, here's the other thing about that equation, and I don't know who he is, but who's the third guy there? I don't either. Yeah, like that, that to me is going to be the big question because if they have confidence in him, if they believe in him, then there's a chance that, you know what, they they might say, hey, listen, we this guy's good enough that we can, maybe we can deal one of these guys. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you're Dave Dickinson, you, you had Mira on, on, your, on your practice roster, and all of a sudden you said, you know what, I'm going to start this guy. So, you know what I mean? Like, you, 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 I don't know what they have in Hamilton. Maybe they, maybe they have somebody there that they feel, hey, this guy's good. Or they may have someone there that say, no, we can't afford to get rid of Masoli because if we do get an injury, we're going to be hooped. So, you know what? Let's, let's, let's keep him. But at some point, you're going to want to trade him because you're going to get something for him. And the other way, you're not going to get anything. Well, it's going to be very interesting, Julia. We're going to let you go and bring you back later. But here's how I see uh, things shaking down. I think BC beats Ottawa. I got Edmonton winning again against the Calgary Stampeders. And I have the Rough Riders losing in a better game to uh, Winnipeg in Winnipeg. And so I see Winnipeg leading the board and then three teams at three and two and then Calgary in the basement. And I think if you're a BC Lions fan, that's exactly how you need to have it play out. Yes, I agree with that. We'll bring you back on the other side. Thanks, man. I appreciate this. Hey, anytime, buddy. Boy, did BC need that, and did the young quarterback Nathan Rourke need that? All right, we're joined by uh, BC Lions offensive weapon Lucky Whitehead. Now, I understand you love exotic animals. Where did that love come from? <laughs> uh, yeah, when I grew up, my mom had a lot of this, like a lot of snakes, so I was always around it. So I just I got my own. <laughs> okay, so so besides a snake, what do you have for animals? Uh, I have three American bullies. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so, so what? Do you, then, what did you yeah. name? What did you name your pets? What are their names? Uh, Blitz, Basil, Birkin, and Squeak. Is a snake. <laughs> <laughs> How did you come up with that name, Squeak? <laughs> it was a name in college that me and a couple of my teammates used to always just joke around and say. We called everything was everything was squeak. Right. So I got my got my snake in college. So I just named my my snake squeak. That's awesome. Did you bring them to Canada, or are they still down at your place in the states? <laughs> no, they're still in the states. I didn't bring any any yeah. animals here. Did you do you miss them? Oh, all the time. We FaceTime, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a do you have do you have a roommate or a significant other down there that helps you FaceTime? Because obviously, if that snake is good with a phone, man, that's an awesome snake. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely a roommate. But my mom, uh, I don't I don't FaceTime the snake. I just FaceTime the dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, okay, so if you were an animal, Lucky Whitehead, what kind of animal would you be? Probably a, a cheetah. Okay, why a cheetah? Because nothing can eat me. I'm so fast, and I can eat whenever I want. Love I can chase it. everything down. I love it. That's great. That's kind of like <laughs> how you. That's kind of like how you play, man. Why did you choose? Right. Why did you choose to sign with the BC Lions? Uh, Mike was a was a big 
part of me, like my decision on coming to BC. Uh, I obviously know his his background. Uh, great quarterback, throws the ball a lot. Uh, you know, he's just, just a smart quarterback overall. I mean, future Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a great conversation, and he was like, "You should easily be getting the ball at least." I mean, from eight to ten touches a game. You know what I mean? I was like, I, I agree with you. Like, I I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that you're saying that. And uh, it was just kind of a no-brainer. It's just the, the conversation that we had. We were on the phone for about 45 minutes just talking football, and it was all just just getting excitement. Mind you, I didn't even know when we were playing again. Like, I didn't know yeah. when we were coming back. Yeah. yeah. But it was still just the fact that we got to sit there and just talk about it and his expectations and things that he that he sees for me in the offense was was, was a no brainer. Hey, how is Lucky Whitehead a better receiver with the BC Lions than he was with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? If you could point to one or two things, well, I'm actually running routes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm running routes. I'm not uh, a decoy. I'm not coming in for like a gadget play. I'm not coming in for a jet sweep. I'm not running digs all the time. I'm not running double moves all day. I guess list goes on and on. I'm actually a receiver. I'm lined up on the ball. I'm I'm rarely waggling. I'm lined up on the ball, and I'm playing football. You know, uh, I, I saw the touchdown because I'm based in Regina. I saw the touchdown against the Riders. I kind of got you guys back in the game. Looked like the game was going off the rails, and then, then they threw deep to you there down the sidelines. That felt to me like that was kind of lucky Whitehead has arrived. He's arrived as a receiver in the CFL. Did you feel like that? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I got. I think I had like eight targets that game. Uh, you know, just – just the fact that I got that confidence in my offense, my quarterbacks, you know, my OC, it's, it's a good feeling. You know what I mean? And I go out there as far as practice-wise as such, as far as like, okay, we need to make this first down. You know what I mean? So, for me, I'm always trying to make a big play, but at the same time, I got to be smart. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's better, Lucky Whitehead? A deep ball touchdown like the one you scored in Saskatchewan or a kick return touchdown? Ah. Uh, Ah, that's hard. Uh, I probably say a deep, a deep ball on offense. Okay, and why is even that? Though, even though kick return, kick, kick return is great too, because it's like a deep ball. That means you really just beat somebody one on one. I mean, it's mano a mano, man on man. Yeah, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's hard. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you don't you don't get those plays often. So when it comes, you got to make that play. Okay, so you got the same opponent as you had in your last game, but you're indoors in BC. I would say that would help you guys, yeah. right? Hundred percent. I can't wait. Yeah, like, like I would think because that was a that was a rainy game towards the end. You guys on a fast track, and, and I think you've got something to prove this game because last time at home, let's be honest, you guys kind of laid an egg against Edmonton. Hundred percent. Yeah, we came out slow. Uh, we didn't execute as well. Uh, it was just a ton of penalties, and uh, and it was still a close game. You know what I mean? But at the same time, we didn't take care of business at the end of the day. Like, we didn't do what we needed to do uh, as far as to get the win. So, I definitely think it's a, you know, it's a statement game for us, and we definitely got to come out. Yeah one, yeah, one more thought on this game here. I wouldn't call it a must-win, but I, I would call it a must-have win. Like, you guys got to have this game in a very competitive West where if you win and things go your way, we could have a logjam at 3-2. and two. You know, the Riders lose in Winnipeg. That's a winnable game for Winnipeg, obviously. And Edmonton showed they yeah. can beat Calgary already. If that happens again, we're already – we got a bunch of teams at 3-2, and two and you're very much in the mix. So I would say you guys yeah, need 100%. this game. You guys need this game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, we know what we got to do. Uh, it's great to play in, you know, indoors. Uh, obviously great to play in front of your fans and that crowd. So, I mean, we just got to come out faster. That's That's been our main problem. We haven't came out fast. Mm-hmm. Hey, what are these back-to-back games like where you play the team and then you play them again right away? Now, they played a game in between, but you're playing them back-to-back. Right. Are they chippier? Is it easier? Is it harder? Uh. I won't say easier, but I mean you just kind of understand the, the the flow of the game. You kind of understand the players. Uh, obviously, we change up things as far as on the offensive side. They don't. We don't run the same routes, right? Mm-hmm. We do a couple things and just tweak a 
tweak things here and there, but things change. Uh, but as far as they're in, like, I know who's going to be guarding me. Like, I know they got a few people banged up in the secondary, but mm-hmm. I, I know what, I know what to expect as far as what's out there. You know I mean, you can't change it too much as far as coverage and stuff like that. Hey, uh, back to your speed. Have you always been the fastest guy that you know, like around, like, you know, in the playground or growing up? Were you always the fastest guy? 100%. And now that I'm, I don't know, now that I'm getting older, some young guys are coming into the game. <laughs> and they just, they just want, they feel like they want to race or like last, our last game we played against Ottawa. I'm, I'm running off somebody. And he was like, I'm faster than you. Like, what, what are you talking about <laughs> right now? <laughs> you know what I mean, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's fun. Uh, but yeah, I've always been that the fast guy as far as the playground. Uh, and it's just—I mean—I got faster and I got stronger as I as I went on. Yeah, back to the cheetah thing. Isn't that like a, that's awesome? Like just to be able to run, run like the wind, run all day. I think when you get older, because I used to play football and I was a smaller guy, certainly not Lucky Whitehead, but I was a fast guy and I I could always run out of trouble. There was something to be said about that that I never really appreciated when I got older. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, for like, say for myself, as far as like being that fast, and for my game, as far as transitioning into a receiver, I had to learn how to play with my speed now, because I can't, I can't run that fast all day, because it, it won't, it won't work for certain routes. Well, right, and that, and and I think sometimes when you're as when you're as fast as a lucky whitehead, you sometimes can use that speed as a crutch, don't you? Like maybe you get, I'm not saying you do, but I know a lot of receivers, professional amateur, they get lazy because they think the speed can get them, like you said, you can use the speed all the time on a pattern. Well, you can't. You have to be a good route runner. You have to catch the ball in space. There are other things that you need to work on. Sometimes guys get lazy. They just rely on the thing they're really good at. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and that was something I needed to work on. I did a lot of, as far as my routes, as far like when I was in Winnipeg, I was running a lot of digs. I was running a lot of out routes. Yeah. And those routes was you could break down, but I would speed cut it. Yeah. Whether it was at 15 yards, whether it was at 12 yards, but like I would just have a tendency of speed cutting everything. Mm-hmm. And certain things didn't need to be. It wasn't supposed to be a speed cut. You know what I mean? So that for myself was definitely a big a big thing in my game to to fix. Yeah. Last, to slow down yeah. instead of speeding everything up. Yeah, let the game come to you. Okay, lastly, uh, Lucky Whitehead, you got family and friends watching our game back in the United States on ESPN. What do they think of the CFL and our game? Uh, just mostly questions as far as the motion and three downs. But, I mean, they're, they're pretty adapt. They adapted pretty well. Uh, they're excited. They love watching me play. Uh, I'm, doing, I'm doing pretty well this season. Uh just for the main thing, just trying to stay healthy uh, and just keep keep building. Okay, uh, one more. Did you have a personal goal? Like, I know you want to win a championship and you're a team guy and everybody says that, but what was Lucky, right. what was Lucky Whitehead's personal goal that he wants to achieve and then, in essence, ha- help his team out? Uh, to be a 1,000-yard receiver, that would be a, definitely a, a big deal for me, myself because, you know, a lot of people just try to put me in a returner category. Mm-hmm. Or or a gadget guy category, and I think that'll, to be honest and very humbly speaking, shut everyone up. I love it, man. And 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 you're you're uh, symbolic of the BC Lions because I think the BC Lions are an under the radar team that's starting to kind of percolate, starting to gonna they're they're about yeah. to take off. And I think Lucky Whitehead's the same kind of guy. We thought we know Burnham, and we thought about Rhymes, but nobody was talking about Lucky Whitehead till he went to training camp. And now he catches that big 100%. he gets that big catch against the Riders, like I said, uh, eight targets in that game like you said, and now you're taking off and I feel like you're kind of the face of this BC Lions squad that's going to take off. Thanks for this, my friend. Good luck against Ottawa. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. This is Lions Legends, a trip down memory lane with a player, coach, or builder that left their mark on BC Lions history. Thanks for checking out Restore the Roar. We're into the second half, and we always kick off the second half with the Lions Legends segment. Time to go down memory lane with one of the greats to play in BC Lion history, a tough, hard-nosed, big-play receiver, Manny Arsenault. Yeah, it's time to catch up with the Manny Show.
Unfortunately, your indoor football league season ended. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, man, it was it was an incredible season. I learned a lot. And just being back in the pads, man, you know, making plays, catching balls, getting tackles, and just being involved in football was the biggest thing for me. But um, it was a lot of relationships built. And, um, man, I enjoyed it, you know, first time playing indoor. And, you know, I, I was excited about it. So I had a great time. What would you like best about it? Man, really just, um, man, it's just there's nowhere to hide. Um, <laughs> you know, it's eight-man football. And each play, you either hitting somebody, getting hit, or it's just the continuous action. But just being able to mentor and um, help a lot of the young guys that never been outdoors yet, some that graduated during the COVID year, but looking to get film and just teaching them and use this as a stepping stone, um, the bridge of opportunity that if you get a workout, whether it's CFL, NFL, or any of these new startup leagues that's outdoor, to understand that film is your resume and, and really take no day for granted. So, are you still in good shape? I'm in great shape. I'm actually headed now to get an underwater treadmill, get some um, adjustments and all that from one of the um, team sponsors that does um, rehabilitation work. Yeah, so now nah, I'm feeling good. Awesome. So, the reason I bring that up is, has, have any of the teams in the CFL contacted you? Now, I know it's the whole COVID thing, so there'd be a bit of a quarantine coming across and all that type of stuff. But I look at our season, Manny, and it's starting later, so most of the games will be in inclement weather. That, to me, is where a Manny Arsenault could shine, a veteran guy that's tough, good hands, used to playing in cold weather, brings championship experience. Anybody reached out to you yet, or are you going to reach out to them? Not yet, man, but you know the Twitters and all that. And some of the coaches I know, I'd have just sent texts, and they was just like, we'll keep you in mind. But, you know, a lot of teams and organizations are always based it on, you know what, we want to win with the guys we have here. And if you can't figure it out, then we'll go get other players. So some teams might have to take a couple more losses. Um, but, you know, you got to gamble around with the guys that's in there. Who was there for training camp? That's who formed the team. And then the guys you want to win with, not have been on those kind of teams where coaches look, man, we're going to get the job done with the guys here. If y'all can't get it done, then, you know, we'll call for backup or reinforcements. But now I'm healthy. I'm ready to go. And um, I think a lot of teams know that. I'm not coming in trying to steal the show. My thing is teaching these guys how to be pros and what the work ethic looks like um, and, and just being able to have a long career, that longevity, which is brought about being consistent. So, um, I'm going to sit back and wait and just see. You never know. Somebody might call when you least expect it, but nah, I'm ready to go. Manny, did you ever lose confidence? Because when I watched Darvin Adams, a veteran receiver, he looks like he is really not confident. He catches a pass out in the flats of the five-yard line. All he's got to do is dive into the end zone. He jukes and jives and gets stopped at the one, and I'm like, that right there to me is a guy that's lacking confidence. He fumbles the ball a little later on. Now, it was a good defensive play, but like it's like he, he doesn't have confidence. I know we talked about him last time out. Did you ever lack confidence, and how did you get it back? I'm the Manny Show, so I can't lack confidence. <laughs> I was on a team with a revolving door of quarterbacks, but I always had to produce, and I played for Wally Bono, and he don't bring them kind of guys in that's going to lack confidence. Um, when you're in a position that I was in. So now you have tough moments, tough days that's tougher than others. You might have a bad practice or a bad game, but the lack of confidence, that's in you, not on you. So that's the being mentally fit, and that's something that I've been great at with all the trash talk I had to do. You know, I had to show up each week. A lot of guys loved me as a person but hated me as a player because I was going to give you my best whether we was up 21 points, not 21 points whether it was zero degrees or if it was hot. But um, the confidence part, you know, it it, it, it tends to creep up on guys because the game is played between years, and a lot of them don't realize that. But it, it, it's just hitting the reset button, looking in the mirror, and knowing that you're your only competition. But that's one of the aspects of my game I really never had to worry about was the lack of confidence due to how I was raised and how I grew up. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I'm built a little different. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's good. And like I said, it goes back to my previous comment. It would be worth a look bringing yeah. in Manny Arsenal. You were a receiver, obviously, and a damn good one. So you like to get the football a lot. But even you know a running game is important. Just talk about that. Yeah, the run sets up your pass. You got to get those defenders to come up, man, and just 
get tired of getting gassed. So once you can establish a good run game, it sets up the pass game, the play action, and um, being able to drive the ball downfield. But when a team, knowing that you're just going to pass, 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 they can kind of just sit back um, and, and just relax. But um, once you can establish a good ground game, man, it's lights out in the air when getting the ball to your receivers and wideouts on run plays. You got to make it look like a pass play. Hey, uh, Manny, do you remember your first CFL touchdown? It would have been regular season in 09. What ball did I catch? I, I, I know I remember catching one in um, Mosaic from Buck Pierce yeah. and spraying my AC joint while I got hit. <laughs> um, in the end zone, <laughs> and that's what I was dating back to because I believe it was a trip bunch left play. Trying to remember the play call, but it was in a zone. Caught the ball, turned up. DB gonna hit me from behind. One hit me. My AC joint was spraying. And I'm remembering having to play the season all banged up, but it been plenty of touchdown. But I'm trying to remember the exact one. You got me right there, well, but give me a day. Manny Arsenault started the 2009 BC Lions season with a touchdown in each of the first three games against Saskatchewan, Hamilton, and Edmonton, and in a 28-24 loss on July 3rd, 2009 at Old Mosaic Stadium. That's where you scored your first touchdown, so probably the one you described in that bunch formation. Oh, so my memory is good. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Okay. There yeah. you go. Thanks for this, Manny Show. Uh, thanks a lot. Thanks time now for homegrown a segment featuring an amateur athlete coach or builder helping grow the game of football in bc Oh, and we're so lucky today in Restore the Roar because we get a double dip of our buddy Julio Caravada back here for the back half of this thing, talking in the homegrown segment. You are a high school football coach. How long have you been coaching amateur football? I did not realize that about you until just recently. Yeah, no, um, this is, uh, I think, my, I want to say my third season. I'm going to count last year, um, even though we didn't play because we did, we did do a lot of you know, coaching as, as much as we could as far as, you know, all the social distancing, all that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been, I, I can honestly tell you, Balzi, like I was a little skeptical at first, but I, I have, I just love it. I really love it. I, you know, the game has been so good to me and, you know, I always think that, you know, I think initially I was like, well, what, you know, what do I got to tell, you know, what, what can I teach these? But you realize that, you know, you, you got to give back. Like I said, the game has been so good to me, so it has been so rewarding. It's just so great to work with kids that are like sponges and all they want to do is learn and get better. So it has been a really, really rewarding experience for me. What school and what position are you coaching? So I help uh, my my good friend Dino Jeremia, who's the head coach at Centennial High School in Coquitlam. Um, It's a triple-A school. Um... You know, my daughters both, uh, one of them still goes there. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Dino Dino is a good friend. He's been a friend for a long time. And when he took over, he says, I, I need your help. And so, you know, I, 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 you know, with my schedule too, with working and then with doing the Lions games, you know, it was tough too with girls at home, driving to practices. It was a lot, but I have more time now. So it's been, like I said, it's been, it's been a great experience. Um, I coach. Mostly, I coach the quarterbacks and receivers. I, I, because of my schedule, there's um, we have a couple other coaches, so we kind of share like the offensive coordinators' duties. But we get on the same page where we're all kind of thinking the same way. So, yeah, but mostly quarterbacks and receivers, which has been really good. So, what do you appreciate about coaching now that you didn't appreciate when you were a player or even a broadcaster? What do I appreciate about it? Well, I just think I appreciate the idea of giving back, you know, some of the things that, and, and I know speaking from my position, especially as a quarterback, you know, I didn't have anybody when I was growing up in high school and even in college that really had played the position at a high level mm-hmm. and understood, understood it. Like, I'm not talking about the physical stuff because the physical stuff, you know, you can, you know, I mean, you can, I think you can teach a kid for the most part to, the release and the steps and all that stuff. But so much of the game is between your ears. And that's one of the things that really, I think uh, I really noticed early on was just how little they knew about like 
the game and understanding a defense and managing a game and understanding down and distance and preparation and all those kinds of things that really, you know, make a good quarterback. And so, you know, like I, I remember my first day, we had a great 12 kid. He's not there anymore. And I remember saying to him, okay, guys, when we're going up to the line of scrimmage, you know, what are you, what are you looking for? What do you like? What do you, mm-hmm. and the blank stare on his face was like, I was like, so like, okay, let's take it, let's break it down. Like, do you, do you know where the clock is? Like what you're talking? No. Do you know what cover three is? No. Do you know where the free safety is? No. Like, you know, all yeah. those things, I was like, wow. So it's been really rewarding in that sense because, as I said, the, the quarterbacks, they're, they're all keen about learning how to throw better and all that kind of stuff. But I think they've really, really gravitated to the idea of how to prepare and how to be successful in a game and understanding situation and down and distance and, you know, what it is to command a huddle, what it is to step into the huddle, all those little things that, you know, really would have served me well early on that I didn't learn until a later age. Julio, is it three or four down? Uh, we play four down. Okay. So how do you feel about yeah. that? How do you feel about that? Well, you know, I, obviously I'm, I'm – the thing about it, though, is this, is that – and I know a lot of people are upset about it here because – when I played high school football, we played four downs and, and Canadian rules. Hmm. So here, I think the idea is with the extra down is that it's for development. Because if you were two and out, two and out, two and out, it would just, it wouldn't be at this level. It wouldn't work because you just, you, you just wouldn't get any kind of flow. So I like the fourth down here in that sense for development and teaching and, you know, being able to sustain things out on the field. But I'm not crazy about all the other rules that they play, like American rules. I'd rather see some of the Canadian rules incorporated into what we're doing. In Saskatchewan, it works just fine here, two and out, two and out. But I'll buy what you're selling with the four downs. But then why not motion? Why not all of our great rules? I'm in, buddy. I'm in. You're preaching to the converted. But I, that's way above my pay grade. Buddy. Doesn't that? But doesn't? But doesn't that mean? I know that. But doesn't that mentality? Oh, yeah. But doesn't that oh. mentality need to change in BC? Do we Absolutely. not have to change that? Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. It needs to change because you're right. If you're trying to grow the Canadian game, and and all those, I, I find all those great attributes that make our game so great would be really, really valuable as well at this age. The motion, multiple motion, the the idea of coming to the line of scrimmage and timing up a cadence and, and getting a and getting a stem and all those kinds of things that, that like I said, that make our game so great, I think it would be something that at the grassroots level here would then I think encourage more kids to watch the game on T V because they see what they're doing. So let me stop right? you. Let me stop you before we wrap up here. Uh first off, how's the team gonna look this year? How's your team gonna be this well, year? But- and, and this is another bone of, of contention with me. We've got a, we've got a, a very good. I think we've got a very solid team. Like we've Dino's done a very good job of, you know, creating a different kind of culture. A very you know what it takes to be successful, not only at this level, but you want the you know the kids that are that potentially want to go on to college. Like you want to teach them what the work ethic required is, like what it is that you need to be able to do at that level, because it's not going to be like high school or you walk out on the field. And you're going to be the best player just because you're stronger and faster than everybody. When you get to that next level, everyone's going to be just as strong or fast, right? So it's all the other things that you need to learn in order to be successful. So we've got a we've got a really good team, but we have we had a couple. I think we've had three kids, three of our you know probably our best player, and one of, potentially could have been another one of our best players. They left and went to prep schools down in the states, mm. and that's a that's a bit of a you know, I mean, I, I, I'm just not a fan. Like, I really believe in the system here and that if you're a good football player, they're going to find you, right? Like, and I use Chase Claypool here for the kids because he's a very recent example. You know, he, he, he went and developed through the system here. He went to Abbey High in Abbotsford, and he went on to play at Notre Dame, and now he's in, he's in the NFL because he's a great talent. It had nothing to do with, you know, oh, I didn't play at a big enough high school, or I, 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 you know, I should have gone to a prep. That has nothing to do with it. If you're, if you're good, if you have talent, 
they will find you. Now right? I, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to agree I'm going to I'm going to agree with you to an extent, but I do believe this. I do believe I believe in staying like you said here. I believe that. I don't believe chasing prep schools. But I do think you have to make them find you in the sense that you have to promote yourself, which oh, yeah. which is a oh. lot easier with Instagram and YouTube and all that other yeah. type of stuff now. Yeah, no, I, I say that knowing what's out there for these kids now with the availability of YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff where you can get yourself out there. If you're, like I said, the way that you can reach pretty much every coach in the country and in, and in the States, that, again, if you're good, they're going to find you. And they're going to come and see you. You don't need to change, you know, your address in order to do that. Yeah, that makes that makes good sense. Absolutely, man. Okay. And then lastly, you talked about four downs. We talked about because um, that is one area of the game that I could go with changing. Now, hear me out. Not for developmental sake, but and I love the kicking game. John Ryan, Brett Lother. I mean, there's some good kickers in this game. We saw you know Medlock come through here. The McCallums of the world. We've had him on this podcast. So I love the CFL game, the Canadian game, even at the Can West level, because I think special teams. The kicking game can influence um, football more here than it does down south. They're taking the kicking game out of it. But I would say fans would rather see more offensive football than special teams. I think that's safe to say. So if I had to change a rule at the CFL level, I'd be okay with four downs if we had motion and the 22nd clock and no yards and all our stuff staying intact. Hey, listen, I, I yeah, you're right. But I, I think to myself, too, could you imagine if you had to defend that field with the motion for four downs? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, like, I know, I know. He, he, he would see some offensive production now, and it would really change, I think, the kind of quarterback that we see here. You know, one of the things that you can't hide from in this league if you're a quarterback, you got to be able to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. you got to be able to pass the ball, and you got to be able to throw the ball downfield. Because if you can't do that, you're not going to be successful. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you cannot go second and eight and throw a five five yard check down and hope and and pray that that guy's going to break a tackle every time and get you the eight or nine yards you need for a first down. You know you're going to get coaches that are just going to they're going to play safe. They're going to just walk the ball and run the ball like they do in the states. Yeah, that's true. So that's my that, that's my point attention there. That's true. And my thanks to Julio Caravada for joining me not once but twice on Restore the Roar. Also, Lucky Whitehead, outstanding receiver for your BC Lions. And, of course, thanks to Ryan Thelwell, speaking of great Lion receivers, for joining us in the Lions Legends segment. Well, big game for the Lions against the Red Blacks. Hopefully, when we talk next time, BC is 3-2 and two and right in the thick of things in the CFL's West. This has been Restore the Roar podcast. If you have a story idea you'd like the guys to pursue, email Michael Ball at mball at harvardbroadcasting.com. <laughs>